Welcome to Miss Yes, Eyes, and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama fan cast. Yes, and we are talking about the OC. We are going uh, headlong into the finale of this series, and boy, it... does it not feel like it. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't it wild that after this episode, there's four. There's four more episodes. Somehow, they're going to wrap up an entire series worth of journeys in four episodes. Yeah. Yeah, well, especially something how some journeys begin right now and feel like ones that probably should have been like man, last they, season or the beginning of this season. If they didn't have to spend so long of the beginning of this season wrapping up Marissa because we know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it was important to them, but like, duh, of course Ryan feels bad about it. Yeah, it's 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 one we were thinking where like the beginning of this season felt like obligation <laughs> and not actual like interesting storytelling. It's like okay now everyone's sad yeah the the oblig the obligated thing to do is to spend four or five episodes just getting people to deal with the whole marissa thing and the whereas what they should have done is pulled a riverdale and done one episode dedicated to the death of luke perry andrews <laughs> and then, and move then like on. sprinkled it especially throughout <laughs> Yeah, you know, it could have been a it could have been a lingering thing throughout. You you could have it could pop up when you least expect it. Yeah, I mean, this season especially, the OC has had an iffy track record of being able to like storylines for a certain period of time, then be like, and now this is gone forever. Weave storylines together. Like, they yeah. very much like to be, we're doing this, it ends, the next thing begins, and maybe one thing will come back from the beginning or the middle that is now the thing. Which is what Riverdale does all the time now. Do you think Teresa's baby is going to come back in these past four, these last four episodes? I don't know. It feels like the kind of, well, if they if they knew that this was the series finale, which I guess they did at the end. Yeah. We're we're actually in the stage now where they're editing these episodes. And they know. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? We, it, it's impossible to guess what will happen because they're just sort of doing things at this point. The OC. Doing things. Just real hard. Really committing to things. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I'd say that probably we can just get into doing this episode. It is a episode of television sure is sure is uh because this is the oc season four episode 12 the groundhog day the groundhog day taylor townston gets a phone call from caitlin Caitlin's relationship with people in this episode makes it seem like she's a lot more involved in the group than she's ever been in previous episodes. In this episode, we have the Caitlin who needs people. Yeah. Which is different from Caitlin. I mean, no. I, Caitlin's arc that she needs people is pretty consistent. Just sometimes she thinks she doesn't need people. <laughs> or she white wolves them. She should have did that. As, which I guess is the out for her storyline. Anyway, Taylor is obviously sneaking around. So at this point, we actually don't know. It's no, very. It's, it's, she's somewhere. She's somewhere. And Caitlin. <laughs> now, this is kind of wild. Caitlin does call her for dinner. Yeah, Caitlin's like, Are you coming home for <laughs> dinner with me, Caitlin? <laughs> 
And Taylor's like, I have things to do. Let's talk about some plot elements. Yeah, so she explains that, uh, you know, no, she's not coming home for dinner. And then when Ryan comes up, she's like, oh, we said that we were going to give each other space. That is to say that I said. <laughs> and Ryan said, absolutely not. Let's work through this yep. together. Uh, and we haven't spoken in a week, which tells us that this is one week before Valentine's Day. Because if the OC is good at one thing, it's telling us about the passage of time. Well, I mean, the problem is usually it... I mean, the thing is, usually it doesn't, and then it doesn't really matter, honestly, that much. Time goes by as it needs to. But they've been very clear these past three episodes. It was three weeks before Valentine's Day, then two weeks before Valentine's Day, or then a week went by, and now another week went by, which means it's February 7th. This entire season has been very specific about the passage of time. Yeah, to the point that what comes with this in this in this episode is wild with the passage of time. Now we also find out that the key party of this episode yes. will be Kirsten's 40th birthday. Kirsten is turning 40, at which point I wrote in my notes and sat back going, "All right, Aaron, your turn." I hate this. Because we know that Seth is 18. He's probably turned 19 because it's after Christmas in his first year of university. Yeah, 18 is the kind excuse we will give. Which means if Kirsten is turning 40, she had Seth when she was 21, perhaps 22. And we know her birthday is February 7th. And this is like, we know she went to college. She met she met Sandy at Berkeley. Yeah. So just the timeline of this all, the time that she had her child is really close to when people finish university. So and that begs so many questions. So, yeah, so it could be that she graduated and had, like, maybe she got pregnant with Seth while she was at college and then didn't, then graduate from, like, in the in the last few months of college, maybe she got pregnant with Seth and then she graduated college and then. But, like, there are plot elements where they talk about, like, it actually comes up a lot in this episode, mm -hmm. um, Kirsten and Sandy living in a mail truck. Which they must have done during. their child. Or during college. I mean, the thing is, a lot of things they're setting up here would explain a lot why Caleb might really dislike Sandy. But it's astonishing that never once did he say, you impregnated my daughter out of wedlock and then she dropped out of university. <laughs> yeah. Which are not bad things, but Caleb wouldn't yeah, like them. Yeah, no, th that's the thing. Like, we're not making any sort of judgments on Kirsten here. It's just, this. that seems like a thing that Caleb would bring up constantly. This seems that like you, something that, that you, we would have known. <laughs> you impregnated my do daughter while she was at call off at college at Berkeley. And then she didn't graduate, or she did with a newborn, which is fine. Some people are good at that. And then yep. Sandy went to law school with a newborn, unless Sandy is older than Kirsten. Yeah. Which is possible. Maybe he was at Berkeley for, like, law. Like, he had already been to another college, and now he's at Berkeley for law. Or he, like, met her when he was a senior, and then he stayed and did law school at Berkeley. Like, all of these things are possible. <laughs> but they're just, they talk so much about the history of these characters. That once you be like, and she's turning 40, you're like, oh, God, now everything's contextualized. Well, and, like, Jimmy is the same age as Kirsten. And we know that. This yep. is a known fact. Yep. Which means that Jimmy also impregnated a girl before he graduated university, which is actually not off-brand. Because well, we know that Julie got pregnant it very young. It also really always seemed to be like it was implying that Julie... Julie got pregnant very young. But it always also seemed that Julie was like a chunk of time younger than Kirsten and yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, instead it seems like she was two years. And like... <laughs> 
You know, there's just so I'm doing my master's in education. This has come up numerous times on the show, mm-hmm. but right now I'm working on a paper about how, as education increases, fertility decreases. Yeah, and it's not like your ability to have children decreases. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not like the more education you, you have, the your more ovaries sp- just like shrivel, and your sperm just flees your body. <laughs> no, it's the more education you have, the less you choose to have children yeah. and unless you get into circumstances where you have unexpected children and blah 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 all of these things yeah so it just seems very unlikely that all these wealthy educated people are having accidental oops out of wedlock children at the age of 21 it, which is what this show is implying it's like the opposite of riverdale where everybody in riverdale no matter what their um socioeconomic status uh, all waited until they were 35 to, <laughs> to have, have teenagers to have children and like they didn't wait. No, and they didn't wait until the thirty-five to have teenagers. That'd I be know. that'd be wild and impossible. Adoption. I mean, yes, I, I guess mean, so. Here's the thing. Obviously, the show wanted to make it a landmark. Mm-hmm. I would have like it would be totally reasonable if she was thirty-two, thirty-four. Also, sorry, it, forty-two, forty-four, even forty-five. Like, well, and well, not only that, they treated like oh, it's a landmark thing, but really doesn't need to be. It doesn't feel like it actually feeds into the story that much other than... And we could do a thing, like, throw in a couple of, like, throwaway lines where Sandy's like, oh, I really biffed her birthday last year. Yeah. I was too busy dealing with we, something. Here's the thing. Curse's birthday will, is the party. It's we're, we're in there for a grand total of two minutes. But it is yeah. happening, and it's something that will constantly come up, and it destroyed Aaron's mind. But what we really have to do with the fact here is that... Taylor, <laughs> what Taylor's doing is stalking Ryan with, at work with binoculars. <laughs> she is asked to leave by a security guard because she's making business owners uncomfortable with well, her seven hours of stalking. Well, and she was also when we first saw her, she was crouching underneath the railing <laughs> of the second floor of this outdoor space. Now she'd like to stay for just fifteen more minutes because that's when Ryan gets off work, and she just wants to watch him walk home. I guess. Well, I I guess that means also she got there for his arrival of shift. Yep. Stayed through his break, and now she's like, I just got to finish it. I just got to finish. I got to commit to my stalking. <laughs> I have to finish the fight. I mean, <laughs> the stalking. But the security guard says, "No, no, young Taylor, we're leaving." All right, learning some more about some fallout here. Uh, Julie is poor now. Yep, she's finally, <laughs> finally, Julie is. Now, now she's house poor. But she also doesn't pay for her house. Uh, house poor means she has a house, but she is poor. No, no, house poor means you put all of your money into your house and you have oh. no money left over for anything else. So I guess she's just poor with a house? Yeah. She's She says she's short on cash. And Kaylin makes some sort of gesture being like, this is dinner. But we're actually not made clear what... I don't. I couldn't see it's what dinner was. It's a frozen lasagna. It is a frozen lasagna. Okay. I couldn't it see, looks great. I couldn't see what she was pointing at. She, I just saw plates. Oh. Also, is it weird to you that they eat on the island in the in the kitchen when there's a dining room like right behind them, twenty feet away? But anyway, Julie will also not stay to partake in this frozen lasagna. No, well, no. Here, I don't get this. <laughs> Julie walks off to take a phone call, and then Caitlin assumes that she won't come back around the corner. Like Julie's now gone. Caitlin knows her mother, <laughs> which I mean, and assuming Caitlin's right, where does what is Julie? Because she walks in the corner and is just talking to someone on the phone, being like, "Yes." I oh, miss yes. you. I miss you. Um, I'm excited to see you tonight. And it's supposed to be a big mystery of who she's talking to. It's not a mystery. No. I mean, we're not going to spoil it, but... Nah. <laughs> Poor Caitlin, though, has a line where she says, Five people live in this house, and no one will eat dinner with me. Yeah. Which is very sad. Yeah. And 
She is true. There's five people there because Che is still there. Che is hanging out in Summer's room doing some cultural appropriation. He's, he's well, okay. So he's reading Bones, but he's using sticks, which is a Chinese fortune telling method. And I don't know. It's still called reading Bones. It but might be called something different. He does at some point say it's Ching something, which I only remember because this this scene is yeah. called Che Ching. Right. Which I hate. I thought it was going to... Re- I, you know what? Actually, it does kind of reference money because Julie... Oh, it's true to Ching. Yeah. That's what I thought I was referencing when I saw the thing. Anyway, he's trying to read the universe. He wants to um, interpret the current of the universe. Yes, because uh, he he found his soulmate. And Summer's suggestion is, well, you should probably hang out with whoever your soulmate is. <laughs> and Che is like, I will. I'm going to release a groundhog with that person. But Summer, other than kicking you out of university, I would never hurt you. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Why are you still here? Does it seem like when Shay describes... Because Shay apparently doesn't know what Groundhog Day is. He also seems to not know what a groundhog is by the way that he said... Gr- it's a groundhog day? Some sort of earth pig? Now, don't forget, Che grew up on a reserve that was not a reserve. I'm just, I just I just want to make it abundantly clear right here that I'm 100% sure the Shay does not know what a groundhog is. Well, he clearly doesn't, and that comes up later. So let's head over to uh, not really a storyline, but <laughs> kind of pretends it is. Over at Kirsten's house, the boys are going to go watch a movie about a guy eating a live octopus. They're watching some South Korean... Is this Korean... a reference to something? It's probably a reference to some South Korean... They say it's a South Korean action okay. flick. I think they're just saying things about... The boys are leaving. Kirsten will not come to a movie with them. It is revealed in this scene that Sandy thinks that Kirsten is stressed out about her birthday because she's beautiful. Well, yeah, yeah, I th- I he, thought it was a joke. He says it in a very weird way. But then he brings it up later, so maybe it's not a joke. Yeah, I think I think he's just trying his best to get to be like, well, why is Kirsten stressed about her fourth birthday? It's like, I guess I guess women don't like growing older. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I don't know. I'm sure it's fine. Uh, we'll we'll be constantly hearing about him saying that he has a birthday present for her, and there will also be secret. There's so many like things. Secrets. They're like, ooh, it's a secret. What is it? You don't know what it is, and you always know what it is. There are so many <laughs> clever lines that are like, "What him? Yes, soon they, he lost it." They play the pronoun game so much, <laughs> and it's so terrible every single time. Now, Kirsten. Once the boys leave, is stressed out. Yeah. She calls a doctor. That's how stressed out she is. Yeah, yeah. For an appointment. At this point, I put down my guess of what she is, but I don't want to reveal it because it was the right one. (laughs) The show would like us to think something traumatic. Yeah, yeah. All right. uh, Seth is going to wake up to Shay just sort of... Watching him. Watching him. Asking him about, like, hey, do you like the same stuff I like? Um... Seth is both confused and does not like the stuff that Che likes. No, but he will hang out with him for the rest of this episode. Well, because Che just won't leave. He's kind of like that episode of New Girl where um, Jess is trying to seduce a guy at the wedding and her strategy is just be there. Hey, this is this is not a New Girl podcast. This is an OC podcast. Talk about the OC. Make references to the OC. It's kind of like how Taylor seduces everyone by just being there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm almost certain we had a be there moment in <laughs> the OC. Like, it was a joke. But, yeah, but. Yeah. Marissa. Marissa's always was always there. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Mar- Marissa's thing was always just to be around Ryan and, like, emote in his space. General direction. In general direction. God, she was terrible. Now, Che convinces Seth to follow the clarion call of justice and then whips off his sheets and Seth responds with, glad I don't sleep naked. <laughs> I like that they said that joke because that's what I was thinking. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's a good thing Seth isn't sleeping naked. <sighs> All right, well, we have to catch up with Caitlin, who is doing a lot this episode. Caitlin's a uh, someone who just wants people around. Yep, she's hanging. She's hanging out with the War Brothers, and either they recast one of the War Brothers or are watching him go through puberty in the show. Okay, the one with the non curly hair. Yeah. got a haircut, <laughs> and they cut off all of his light blonde. Is that what it is? Yeah, because he, he looks so different, and he looks like he looks like Luke's younger brother. Like he has the the strong chin and he's a very handsome young man. <laughs> to the point that I that I did write down, is he going through puberty right now? I think he is. Uh so but, Caitlin has been up to some hijinks. Mm-hmm. Turns out off camera, well she's been dating Will and, Will and not writing papers and throwing parties. Yeah, so for the past month, she has been writing Bullet. Caitlin really wants her mom to date Bullet. Yes. And she knows her mom sucks at anything that's not immediately in front of Julie's face. <laughs> Which becomes abundantly clear this episode. So Caitlin decided to just take care of it for Julie. Yeah. She's been riding Bullet as her mom for a month. And she gets some weird advice from the Ward brothers. Essentially, this scene just sets up. This entire episode, there's not actually honestly that much in this episode. They keep returning to characters in the same state they were in the episode, the scene before, and we're just sort of puttering along. So what? get ready for a lot of that. So moving forward, um, Sandy visits Ryan in the pool house. Yeah, Sandy wants to pick up the birthday present, and Ryan's sort of like, oh, yeah, no, oh, the birthday present. And Ryan's basically pretty taciturn about how things are going with Taylor. Mm-hmm. But if Taylor wants him to not do anything, yeah. he's just going to look at the scrapbook that she made her made him in sorrow. Yeah, he, he hid it from his dad so he could <laughs> look at it alone. So he didn't know that he was dwelling, I guess. Because Ryan is strong. You know, Taylor uh, has taken her own path. Taylor's going to see who I thought was a therapist. But as the episode progresses, I'm concerned she's not. I think... So here's the thing. I think she is a psychology... Like a psychol- I think she has a PhD in psychology. Like, yes. I don't think she has any They're- training in, like... Therapy? Yeah. Because they, they call her for as a doctor. And she says she has other people. Like, that she's dealing with but i think it's more of a like she has done a study on what they call emotional addiction and taylor has read articles that she wrote she saw her speak at a university and taylor knows this woman with her aggressive methods is what taylor needs to stop stalking ryan because apparently uh, according to this doctor and taylor kind of reinforces it taylor's worried she's not ready for a mature relationship and thinks she'll like ruin it with Ryan because of that. She mentions that her the way that she does deals with things is she stalks things. Yeah. She she mentions in fact that what she does is she 
follows people, takes photos of them, and creates very sweet scrapbooks, which means what she had given to Ryan... Is her stocking scrapbook. Is her stocking scrapbook, (laughs) which explains why she had it made already. What no one explains to Taylor is that Ryan knows these things about her. Yeah, yeah, he's very much aware of them. Like, it's not a surprise to him. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I know. And moving on. Yeah, Taylor's... Essentially, Taylor is... The perfect example of the, that, of the, like, there are certain things that are only creepy if the other, or that are creepy unless the other person is into it, or, like, into you. Like, it's, well, yeah. it's, it, I mean, and that's not even, like, like, you know, escalating, that's just, like, even simple scales, like, going up behind someone and, like, grabbing them in a hug is fine. If they like it. <laughs> if they like it and they know you. Exactly. <laughs> but if you're a stranger, that is assault. And, like, Ryan would be willing to work through Taylor about her impulses and, like, yeah. reassure her that their normally progressing relationship is fine. Yeah. And I thought the Taylor storyline was going to be, I need to love myself. We... But instead it's a don't be a stalker storyline. Yeah, line. no, this... The Taylor that we're getting in this episode does not seem like it actually feeds off the Taylor in the previous episode, which is interesting because the Taylor in the previous episode didn't feel like it fed off the the Taylor in the episode before that. Mm -hmm. It once again feels like we're getting a bunch of different writers writing their own thing. And they're all kind of understanding Taylor because all of these, like all of these variations Mm -hmm. of her are variations on a theme. Yeah. But no one's on the same page. Yeah, like, 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 even in this episode, when we saw the flashback of the previous episode, what Taylor essentially said to Ryan was, when Henri Michel told me he loved me, the whole world melted, melted yeah. away. Uh, and then, he, then the way they edited it, he's saying, well, what are you saying? I think I, I should be alone. And I'm like, I, those lines don't feed into each other. But the idea is that it seems to be implying that Taylor's thing is that she needs to be confident enough in herself that love doesn't because Ryan overwhelm is, her. Because Ryan is not a outwardly he's not a, not an emotional person in that way. And his he will never give her the outward declarations of love that she may need to sustain herself. So yeah. she needs to figure out how yeah. to sustain which, herself. Which is what she got from Henri. Henri was hyper emotional. Henri was constantly like doing huge things which which Taylor liked those... She didn't like Henri, but she liked those things. Yeah. But this episode, it... It is Taylor needs to not, not love, love people as much? <laughs> yeah. It's it's not very clear, honestly, what is going on with Taylor. And we love Taylor, but... Uh, it is very clear what's going on with Julie. Uh, she needs to sell some pictures because... <laughs> Which means she is selling... Like, I know she and Neil bought them together, but she's selling Neil's possessions. Yeah, she's just from gonna... From the house she lives in. <laughs> she's just gonna strip that house clean. At least, at least she is selling the... At least they clarify, she is selling the pictures her and Neil bought in Cabo. Not just the stuff from Neil's house. Because keep in <laughs> mind, she moved into his house. She does not own this home. This man will come back to it one day. They don't clarify that she's just stealing from Summer. <laughs> now, uh, Caitlin is like, um, you are aware you're dating a billionaire, so maybe stop selling your ex-boyfriend stuff. She's like, I'm not dating a billionaire. And Caitlin's like, you are, though. 
Yeah, so now we get a little bit of Julie's perspective, which is insane and dumb, mm-hmm. um, is that she's like, oh, well, no. It it that, it that fizzled when he went to Dubai. And I'm like... Because I didn't try to keep in contact with him. <laughs> because he wasn't directly in front of me, and so he no longer existed. Because Bullet clearly was trying to keep in contact with her. Yeah. Through an email that Caitlin hacked. Now, I would say that possibly some of this is Caitlyn's fault for, like, I I don't know. He's like, we don't know the background if, like, Bullet sent a few emails and Julie wasn't responding, mm-hmm. and then Caitlyn picked up and went from there. Or, or if Caitlyn sent the first email. Caitlyn, yeah, which means Julie had no idea that Bullet was even so interested. And from her perspective, maybe she's like, oh, he never contacted me. Because from his point of view, he was contacting her. It's not clear enough to make... A solid Who knows? Thing or the other. Wouldn't it have been nice if this storyline had progressed through several episodes? Instead of, just, instead of just retroactively being like, yeah, last month. Caitlin's been doing this. Instead, they gave her a weird <laughs> subplot with Chris Brown where she learned nothing. She learned you can white fang people and it will make you sad when it works. Yeah, but that doesn't but that doesn't seem to have impacted her. Like, it's not impacting her in this episode. In this episode, she just wants a dad. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, Caitlin's mad that Julie's cheating on Bullet, and Julie's like, what? <laughs> and Caitlin's like, you're dating someone else. Julie's like, no, I'm not. Get out of here, teenager. But then the doorbell rings. Yes. And there's flowers from some mystery guy. Caitlin throws those flowers away without yeah. giving them to Julie. Yeah. And that won't actually impact anything. It's just showing that Caitlin Now is, Caitlin knows. Caitlin is, well, yeah, Caitlin knows for sure now. Kirsten talks to the doctor. They talk about how she's exhausted. She has nausea. She's almost 40. Yeah. Oh, this makes it clear why they keep on pushing that almost 40 thing to the point it's offensive. I want you to realize Kirsten is eight years older than me. Mm Mm-hmm. Kirsten is yeah. eight years older than me. Once again, to the point it seems <laughs> offensive. Meanwhile... The groundhog is being a groundhog, and everyone's looking at him and loving it. Yeah. We get a little bit banter between Shay and Seth, Seth being Seth being like, I don't want to do it. And Shay being like, I guess we're not what I thought we were. And Seth's like, fine. I care about the things you care about. I'll hang out with you. Don't be sad, dude. Yeah. And Shay's like, oh, you care about the things I care about. I don't even know how to do these scenes where nothing happens. <laughs> They're just... Just filler. Oh, I wrote down something and I was like, it feels like we have a boner. I wrote down, I feel like we have a bond. That's what Seth says to Shay. I mean, Shay might say, it feels like I have a boner. Me, Shay. (laughs) Shay Woods, I think his name ended up being. Cook. Cook. Shay Cook. That's what it is. Winchester Cook. That's quite the name. Uh, Bullet is back. And Bullet, the bullet's back in town. Bullet, when he arrives from Dubai in California, calls Caitlin. <laughs> yep. To let her know that he's landed and he's safe and all is well. Yep. And Caitlin's like, oh, I gotta, I, I gotta tell you something. But he, but Bullet, Bullet's so excited because Bullet was says like, yeah, we you could definitely talk to me, but you gotta talk to me at the uh, at, at the, the jewelry, jewelry store. store. And can I just say, like, here's the thing: Bullet has a lot of trash stuff. This. Uh, the fact that he he is, is like you know he he wants to marry Julie yeah um, but he's like I gotta get Caitlin obviously knows 
<laughs> Julie what the Julie best. Likes. I got it. I got to get Caitlin on board. And I have already forged a good enough relationship with uh, my potential future stepdaughter. The other thing that's really sweet is um, what Caitlin says in the last email to Bullet is, hey, I miss you. I can't wait to see you soon. I miss your butt. And that just gets Bullet so fired up. Like, oh, my God, my butt. <laughs> no one no one has ever said – no one has ever said that to Bullet. Bullet no. <laughs> here's like Bullet seems like the kind of guy who you're like – you look at him and you're like, oh, this guy's full of a lot of to- toxic masculinity. But – if you give him like compliments, he's I bet because he's so full of talk about masculine, he's not used to those. He's like, What oh, oh. oh my god, oh someone my... thinks I'm great. Earnestness. <laughs> he he is someone who could become better. You know, he just needed to hang out with not Caitlin, because Caitlin is definitely a product of her time. I mean, definitely not other people his own age, I guess. So Bullet needs to hang out with Ryan? He, he Summer? Just, he just doesn't need to hang out with other rich Texans. No. Sandy. Sandy. Fun. Sandy would teach him a lot. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. The crux of the scene, Bullet wants to marry Julie. Meanwhile, Taylor is busy packing up all of her Ryan stuff, which includes such things as a valet ticket and a toothpick. They mention that Ryan is a generous tipper, which she says you wouldn't expect from looking at him. I'm like, Really? Taylor, the guy who has Grew up worked, in Chino and now has a lot of money, and works at a restaurant. <laughs> at a restaurant, doesn't understand. You know what? It's two thousand and eight. <laughs> so, um, Summer is both disgusted by Taylor's items that she is packing up, but mm-hmm. she's also disgusted that Taylor is packing up items. She yes. really thinks Taylor should just talk to Ryan with her words. No. Uh, then we get once again these this weird equivalency where they really try to pull. Taylor from last episode, this one where Taylor says, like, you have to understand, I found that I'm powerless when people say they li- that they like me. So I have to get rid of this stuff. And I'm like, what? Because Ryan, like, explicitly wants you to have your power. He would like to what? help you find your power. What? Taylor? Taylor? How? How? <sighs> well, Ryan has his own thing to do. So this is another scene that, to this day... Yeah. You know, six hours after I watched the episode. Yeah. I don't know why this scene happened. Ryan is out shopping with Sandy, as was set up earlier in the episode. Mm -hmm. And Caitlin is out shopping with Bullet at the jewelry store, which was also set up earlier this episode. Yeah. But Caitlin's, like, kind of weird and shifty about the whole thing. Yeah. So, okay, just, here's just the facts. Just the facts of this episode. Ryan and Caitlin talk. Ryan asks about Taylor. Taylor. Caitlin goes... Oh, no, she's fine. She, you know, as fine as Kay- as Taylor is. Anyway, I gotta go. Caitlin explicitly says that Taylor is weirder than normal. Weirder than normal, right. Anyway, I gotta go. Then Caitlin goes and hides around a corner where we get some more pronoun game stuff over with Sandy and Ryan being like, this is the present. It's gone. What do you mean? It's gone. Oh, it's gone. And they run off. This. But she's watching them go like... Like she's this, finding out a secret? This feels like this... Because Bullet comes up and... and expressly says you look like you're hiding and this feels like this should lead to like caitlin having a talk with taylor and telling her that like hey ryan is asking about is you asking, or, or something yeah like something like oh ryan oh he looked like like, or like, like at some point there'll be a mirrored scene where taylor asks caitlin about ryan or like caitlin misunderstands what ryan and sandy are talking about and thinks that ryan was getting a gift for taylor that the guy lost instead it's just a weird scene where caitlin like 
is a snoop ducks out of the conversation and it's not even like she's hiding julie from them because or bullet from them because they wouldn't care yeah. And also, Caitlin wants Julie to marry Bullet, so she would want everyone to know the Bullet's proposing. Yeah, yeah, because she would want that peer pressure. So Bullet comes up, he bought an amazing ring, and yeah. he also has a great plan for the proposal. <laughs> this guy from Iran that he was sitting next to on the plane. Get, so it, this, this lovely Persian love song. So Bullet downloaded it on his phone. <laughs> Once again, the weirdness of Bullet. Bullet Bullet is such a loud guy. And at every moment, you're like, he's going to say something bigoted. And then he just ever sort of throws it like, oh, I guess he's he's not bigoted. He's got a lot of internalized stuff, but. He doesn't use the right words, but he does genuinely love all people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Bullet's a hard guy to pin down. Caitlin would not like to use that song and thinks they should talk about the proposal. Yeah. And Bullet's like, it'll be great. Yeah, uh, we got a quick thing here where Che and Seth bond over figuring out the groundhog heist plan. There, uh, there's some goofs about like grappling hooks, and Che has a papoose to carry Seth in, and they both like snow cones. Because oh my god, what a weird thing to both like snow cones! Oh yeah, you live in a hot area. What a coincidence! You both like ice. In another weird scene. The therapist, who is not a therapist, she is Taylor's emotional crisis manager. Yeah, I do. We do finally get her name. She is Doctor James. And Doctor James arrives at Ryan's house to drop off all of Taylor's Ryan things. Mm-hmm. And Ryan is like, "I can see Taylor in your car. There's <laughs> clearly in your topless car. Can I just talk to her like a human?" But James is like, "Yeah, you cannot have any direct contact with you." So Ryan tries to talk to Taylor, and then Taylor whispers things to James. And then and James it, says them to Ryan, and Ryan just like, can we can we talk and like figure like, or, or do you not want to talk? Just tell me what you want. Taylor, I am here to like manage your extreme emotions. And, I will be your emotional crisis manager. And then the Taylor goes, no, nah, and then they just drive off. And Ryan's like, oh. Right, we we are going to get back with Che and uh, Seth and Che. I just want to point oh, out God. this groundhog is sleeping, and it's a very happy <laughs> groundhog. It's like a puppy going into its kennel at nighttime because it feels safe and secure. Yeah. Anyway, apparently their dumb plan, which was to like grapple hook up to the roof and then come down from the roof, worked. I mean, yeah, for the most part, they they steal <laughs> that um, they steal that groundhog. They get and, back up to the roof, and then they have no grappling ability to grapple back down because Che forgot the ropes inside the building. Yep. And then the little piece of tape he used to lock up that uh, fire escape door broke, so now they're both trapped on the roof. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, they have to spend the night together. It's the second time they had to spend the night together. Does that mean anything to you, Seth? What it means to me is that Che does extremely loud, extremely unculturally accurate Tai Chi in the mornings. I think he's trying to shoot Dragon Ball style, like, <laughs> energy blasts. I don't know if that's what Che doing, but I have a real big feeling that's what Chris Pratt was <laughs> doing. doing that scene. Because he does the, the I think it just screams as he's pushing his hands out. And that poor groundhog was so happy sleeping inside, and now it's stuck on a roof. Yeah, I mean, that, that groundhog was definitely pampered. Like, that groundhog was living the pampered life. It loved its life. That was a chubby groundhog. And so some security guard comes up and... Yeah, yeah, they're there. 
Sandy cooks. He makes Kirsten a birthday breakfast and yeah. she has no interest in it for she does not feel well yes she it's she's feeling sick and you know maybe this morning just because she's feeling a little bit sick she's not gonna have her her breakfast and she almost almost tells sandy something now i don't know what she's gonna tell him because she gets the call from the doctor now but she does not get a chance to tell him for ryan comes in and says happy birthday and then yeah Anyway, she gets the phone call. She has to go to the doctor in person. Yes. Yikes. Yeah. Oh. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Kevin. What would you learn this week? So, if you remember, this season, there's been a lot of episodes that have been based off of TV shows. True. Well, no, sorry, not TV shows. There's been a lot of episodes based off... Their titles have been based off of movies. Oh, my gosh. That's the worst way I could Things say that. Things based on other media in this media. Yeah. Now, usually it's not like they're actual based off of those movies. They just mention the movies. Like The French Connection hmm. or The Groundhog Day is this one. Or The My Two Dads. Or The My Two Dads. A, a terrible <laughs> one. That, but, but it proves they really wanted to cram in those titles. titles. Now, the only one I couldn't figure out was last episode, which is called The Dream Lover. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like a famous movie. Like, a really famous... Like, the right. other ones have been obviously... Like, yeah, the French Connection, like Groundhog Day. Like, it's... My Two Dads. <laughs> My Two Dads. Like, those are pretty famous movies. Yeah. Turns out there was... Now, I'm not saying that this was... <laughs> there was a film called Dream Lover, hmm. uh, released in 1993. Now, I'm not saying this is what they base that title off of now it also the title has nothing to do with the plot of the film right our plot of the episode oh my god <laughs> so you may be wondering why does this matter I, <laughs> why bring this stuff up i am curious yeah well because in a frankly hilarious uh event do you know who one of the leads is in Dream Lover? Tate Donovan, Jimmy no, Cooper. No, Matchin Amick. What? From Riverdale. Alice Cooper. Yes. The bad one. The bad one. The other lead is uh, James Spader. But ah, what a what a 1993 movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> that has nothing as I can do with, with the OC. I just thought it was sort of interesting. It has something to do with us yeah yeah that's there's there's a, a that there's this was it like a, a hundred degrees of these titles sound the same amazing it's like the kevin bacon game but nothing like that at all yeah that's what i'm trying to make a reference to you know five degrees of kevin bacon six degrees. six degrees of kevin bacon wow we had spaghetti tonight okay so in a weird scene caitlin calls julie julie pretends to be at a spa and then Caitlin pretends she has appendicitis to make Julie come home. Now, the Caitlin part, the Caitlin part is not weird. The Julie part is weird. I think she actually was at a spa. I thought she was at that outdoor mall. I think that outdoor mall has a spa in it. Oh. Well, here's the thing, because I don't think she was with her secret boy, because... We know where he is. Yeah, and that would be... I think she was just at the spa. Anyway, she rushes home. Let's just do this right now. She arrives home, and of course, Caitlin... Lied. Lied. Of course, that's what happened. Uh, because it's Bullet. And Bullet just gets right into it. Julie is the most fascinating woman he has ever met, and he needs that Persian <laughs> love song to play. Now, this brings up a 
a point that I was thinking of during the episode because, you know, he he does his proposal and he he pops out the ring and, and it's huge. It's huge. Uh, Julie is shocked, shocked, and uh, doesn't know what to do, and is like, "Well, that's that, that's that's sweet." And then, but we he, haven't spoken in a month. Yeah, I was this one like Caitlin. What was your out? I mean, I guess we're just going to go with you're a teen who hoped it would all work its way. What was your out? How'd you figure this would end? I, I mean, her mom has married a lot of rich guys who are less nice. You know, than... I, I guess what Caitlin, I, you know what? I'm going to give Caitlin this. I, because in the, in the earlier scene, she said, did you buy the most expensive one? And I, and I think she probably said that because, you know, it's like, I, I bet that when, when my mom sees a giant diamond ring, her just, like, instincts will take over. She won't – and, you know, she may be so, like, dazzled by the gesture that she won't think we haven't spoken for a month. Yeah. <laughs> Kaylin was just really hoping Julie would be Julie. But, unfortunately, Which, Julie's going to be a different Julie. A suspicious Julie. Yes. Well, first we have to uh, check into more of Taylor's not-therapy. <laughs> So she's hanging out with her not therapist, and then her not therapist gets they're, called away to a not another not client. Yeah, they're also they're at the Groundhog Day cell. Everyone ends up at this Groundhog Day celebration, and it really is the party of the episode. And it's a pretty lame <laughs> celebration, so I don't know why what? anyone's there. Yeah, all the different like Taylor is there. I, I understand why obviously Che and Seth and Summer are there, but also Ryan and Sandy are just elsewhere in the park. And, like, we've never seen this park before. No, no. So the not-therapist gets called away, and Taylor... Sees Ryan in the distance. And then she also sees a bunch of dudes wearing groundhog (laughs) groundhog suits. Yeah, which which formulates a plan. Ooh. Not a good one, but a plan. Also at this festival, Summer is just walking past the party when she gets a phone call from Che in jail, who tells her... Not to come and bail him out, <laughs> yeah. but to steal that groundhog. Yes, Che, that's where Che's priorities go. Now, I would say that probably Seth's call would be to... Actually, no, he'd be smart. He'd call his dad. He would call his dad. Yeah. His dad the lawyer. <laughs> his dad the lawyer. But he does get cut off by Daryl, though. Because Daryl's there, too. Daryl's there, too. I was going to say that maybe Seth would call Summer and tell her to come <laughs> get him. <laughs> like, forget what Che just said. Come get me. Please. He's Che's... Just ignore him. Um, Summer, though, decides to follow through because at her roots, she does care about the little animals. Yeah, yeah. She just doesn't want to, to be get... a part of Che's nonsense. Yeah. She also sees the groundhog costumes. And she is told by the organizer of the festival that the groundhogs costumed people will be on the stage. <laughs> to be on the stage. Ooh. Ooh. All right, let's do the stupid scene because it's the big moment between Julie and Caitlin. Julie confronts Caitlin, being like, why would you do this? Do you care this much about money? I am... So, as we're talking, uh, Caitlin is constantly prodding her about, like, oh, your secret boyfriend, secret boyfriend. And what Julie says is, that is my private life. And I'm like, Julie, that is your daughter. Not saying you have to tell your daughter every single thing, but you really treat her like she's a distant friend, like a second circle friend. Yeah, who's, like, trying to get into the main circle. That's, how dare... Who are you to <laughs> want to know about my da- my dating life? Me, your mother. How dare you ask where I go at nighttime when I leave you a 15-year-old who cannot drive home alone. Like, what? It's so... 
the relationship they write between these two people is not a mother-daughter relationship. But Caitlin keeps trying to make Julie a mother. You know, yeah, that's the thing. If Caitlin, if if they had written this in a way, like this series, I guess, they're dynamic yeah. in a way, that they are kind of like the, what's it, is it Gilmore Girls where they're? Yeah, where they're like buddies. Yeah, where like it's that dynamic. But it's not. Caitlin desperately wants Julie to be her mother. And Julie's like, who are you? <laughs> You're like a tailor, but I like Taylor better than you because she cleans. Who is this girl that you want to know who I am dating? Me. I. So Caitlin says out loud what we've known for episodes and episodes, which is, yeah, money is nice, but Bullet is a nice guy who makes funny jokes and he would be a really great stepfather. Yep. And it's really weird we took that three-episode break (laughs) for for her to have a different... Thing that never got fully fulfilled and then come back to the actual interesting Which character is, point. Caitlin needs a dad. Yeah. Well, she she needs uh, she parents. She's a parent. She's <laughs> a parent. Currently, her parent is maybe Summer and possibly Shay. Which is horrifying. <laughs> Which is horrifying. Like, the other night, Caitlin ate a frozen lasagna by herself. <laughs> yeah. I think Caitlin cooked it. Yeah. Caitlin made a frozen lasagna, ate it by herself. Also, I'm just going to say, I think Summer came down and had dinner with her. I think so, too. What, what were they Where doing? else was Summer going? I think Caitlin was just being dramatic by being like, oh, no one's having dinner with me. Because Summer would come downstairs. I'm sure Shay would wander down. Eventually to, come down. Wander down. He might not eat lasagna, though, because it has meat and yeah. meat is murder. Yeah. And Goodman cheese lasagna. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Caitlin just wants a parent. Yeah. It's just like, all right, well, you're going to have to think about what Bullet said, because me and him are going to Kirsten's party. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I like how Caitlin has just abandoned Julie. She's like, no, Bullet's my dad now. Also, Kate, the way that Caitlin says it, the way she sounds like she says it <laughs> almost with this, this invisible addendum where she's like, me and Bullet are going to the party because, I mean, of course we're going to the party. Where else, like, we, it all has to go over to one place. We, we, we all have to be there. We we'll have to be there. You know how it works. I'm sure everyone will be there. All right. Kirsten comes home from the doctor for a little bit more of her just being like, oh, I got the news. But Julie calls her and Julie's like, Kirsten, Bullet proposed to me and Caitlin needs a dad. And also I have a boyfriend. Guess who he is? <laughs> Kirsten's like, yeah, sure, whatever. It's like, nope. <laughs> nope. Not the time. Now, they do seem to be really pushing that, like, oh, d- cursing, like, oh, it's this terrible news and something like that, but it's I will clearly say, not. She just seems shell shocked. Yeah. Great news. Sandy found the thing. Yes. He got whatever it is, and then they move the conversation over to talking about Ryan and Taylor. Well, Taylor well, is stalking Taylor, Ryan. Taylor has put on a groundhog suit and gets way too close. <laughs> Sandy has to leave to take a phone call, and Taylor is essentially breathing on Ryan's ear. <laughs> yeah, she has not been this bad of a... I guess because she's been keeping herself from stalking him. That it's just, like, exploding. Yeah, that, I guess, that's sort of the thing. Like, because she is not currently dating him, but knows they're kind of in a relationship, it's actually wild to me she wasn't... Do- I guess because Henri there was kind of there to help curb, because mm-hmm. she had someone else in general. But she has nowhere to direct her emotions she, to. Yeah, and that's where the ther- that not-therapist should, um, should see, is that Taylor is someone who needs to have something to direct her emotions to, not cut her emotions off. Yeah, Taylor, Taylor needs to live her life. Mm-hmm. Anyway... 
she gets caught. <laughs> yeah, right. turns around and goes, ah! And then she falls, her, her head, head falls, falls off. off. And she's like, ah! And she runs away and runs like, runs like Taylor. This is the, we- Ken, this is the weirdest scene in this show. <laughs> Ever. I don't know why she did that. <laughs> Just so she could stand close to him, I guess. And the conversation he's having with Sandy is like, I don't know. I just want to be there for her, but she keeps making me not be there for her. I mean, she can't hear him. She's in that groundhog <laughs> head. And then we get something that we've never got on this show before, which, once again, really rolls me into the fact that I think they brought new writers for the season. We get a news report. The news report is about a... They know it's a young woman. I don't know how. A young woman in a gopher costume who can see and hear and move much better than Taylor. <laughs> the way they, they, the shot they show is like everyone on stage and this <laughs> gopher just sliding along the background and grabs the gopher and runs. Or sorry, groundhog. I know. I wrote gopher a zillion times in my notes. It is I wrote, a groundhog. I wrote groundhog every single time. But yeah, so <laughs> he grabs it and runs. They know it's a woman. They mention they have someone in custody. So, oh, maybe Summer got caught. But um, before we find that out, we do find out from Seth that Sandy is coming, and he will get Seth, yes. and he will get Che, and he'll, and he'll get Daryl. Daryl. Yeah, although Daryl would like to stay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will give you know what I will actually give something to them with all of Che's incredibly weird cultural appropriation. I actually don't think he ever uses the term spirit animal. No, he he uses the term animus and animal self, both yep. of neither of which are related to a specific even current <laughs> religion. I mean, I, even I'll say animus is probably not accurate because usually that's like it's ju- like, like Jungian. Well, it's like Jungian, um, like psychology about soul. Like it's not the term for like soul or heart in Jungian psychology. Or weirdly enough, animus can also mean your foe. Ah. But I think he's probably. I think he. I think Che's using it probably either in the Jungian sense or because it sounds like animal. And the other thing he uses is animal self. So you know what? For all of his weird cultural be- appropriation, he doesn't call it a spirit animal. And to be fair, he doesn't often actually culturally appropriate. He just performs rituals that he has been taught by people from various cultures. So But he doesn't claim them for himself. Yeah, and like even even then he like he's like it's he does these weird mishmash of just anything he's grabbing there. So I it's it's another one of those things where like I mean there You know I, what no one would I'm, write this character I'm, today <laughs> But it's kind of well, more it, okay than it could be. I mean, what I would say is like, like I'm I'm not the one to judge whether how much is this cultural appropriation. But by the same token, I don't know who can because I don't know what cultural he's appropriating anymore. Because when you go back, like yeah, I guess the Sweat Lodge is kind of Native American ish. But he but, brings a lot of things together in the Sweat Lodge. Yeah, and then he does like Chinese reading sticks, which I know there's a better term for that. It's not reading bones. I know it's not reading bones. Uh, but yeah. So anyway, um, he he's doing that. He's about to tell Seth that, you know, his his uh, his uh, animal self, his animus, is a bullfrog. And when he was in the sweat lodge and he was imagining a bullfrog, he saw his, his, uh, <laughs> his spirit animal. And it was a... In comes the groundhog. Yes, a woman is brought in wearing the groundhog. And it's the woman who... We was wearing you- the costume. When Summer saw people wearing the costume, yeah. she saw a woman wearing it. And yeah. that's clearly the one that she was like, ha I have an idea. And this is when I knew for sure 
that, that Che just doesn't know what a groundhog is. Because what he saw in his dream... Was not an otter. It was a groundhog. It was a groundhog. Because he sees her and goes, oh, it was a groundhog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because they have an instant, instant connection. Like, Now, I have to ask you a question. At this yeah. point, did you get confused and go, wait... Did that girl steal the groundhog? I thought that, yeah, it was like, it says you revealed that Summer wasn't able to do it and it would be twisted. But like, oh, actually, she is also, she's also like hyper. Hyper activist. She's there yeah, for a Which Jay. I almost thought would be stronger. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you right now, they do put reveal later that essentially Summer asked her. To wear her I, outfit. But then she also reveals anyways that she's super. Into that kind so of So I stuff. don't know why they didn't just. Have, have her, her do it. Do it because what? What's the purpose of summer doing it? It's like, summer's growth, I guess. But but we already knew she she grew. Like it it's is unnecessary. I do like the fact that it does say that summer did ask uh, that woman so she could borrow the groundhog costume, which is how she got hers. I do mm-hmm. assume Taylor just knocked a guy out. That seems accurate. Just ran behind him and like elbowed him in the back of the head and then took, like dragged him behind a bush and put on the costume. Yeah, and he woke up a day later being like, did I party last <laughs> night? Whoa. Because do you think she really was, like, Taylor was able to convince someone <laughs> to, to give her a costume so she could stalk her ex-boyfriend? No, no, no. No. We know Summer asked. Taylor did a knockout. Absolutely. So Seth and Che are released here, but Che decides to stay behind with mm-hmm. the Groundhog Girl because we'll never get her name, so she will always be the Groundhog, the Groundhog Girl. Girl. So as Seth is being set free from jail, Kirsten calls – or no, sorry, Sandy calls Kirsten while he's waiting. And she's like, I called you three times. And he's like, yep. So yeah. we're supposed to go for dinner together, but you need to meet me at the dinner place. Now, yeah, so Kirsten does say, like, we're supposed to go together. Just about what happens next, I don't think they were. I think Sandy was always planning yes. this. Now, why he needed to do it like this, I don't know. I mean... It's Sandy. Yeah, it's for it's for the drama. No, no, I mean the reveal. But why did he have to be like, yes, we're going together, but actually, no. Yeah, I don't know why he had to lie to her that <laughs> going together. I guess because if he said immediately, oh, we're going separately, she She'd would... be suspicious. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he called a driver for her. Yes, she got a limo. She... She gets there. Uh, we learn a little bit from Ryan and Ryan uh, Seth. Do a catch him up. Yep, yeah, Sandy was apparently actually excited. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. Yeah, that uh, that Seth got arrested for this reason. And then Kirsten arrives at the restaurant, and she's like, "Wait, is there hijinks afoot?" <laughs> and Ryan's like, "Well, ob- obviously." Do you know your husband at all? I guess you've been. I guess you've been busy. You've been going to the doctor all the time. Yes, we all noticed. <laughs> You're not sneaky, Kirsten. You're not subtle. We get it. You're sad. I mean, sick. Sick. I mean, in the morning. Maybe I don't know, Kirsten. You got to work on the emotions. <laughs> you have one face. But uh, they're all waiting around, waiting for Sandy, and then coming tearing around the corner. Is Sandy in a mail truck? Yes, what he was trying to get the entire episode was a mail truck. Which they brought up more than once in this episode. Yeah. Lest we forget Kirsten and Sandy's history. <laughs> yeah. Because the last time they brought it up was like three episodes ago. Yeah. And I think before that they much have they here's the I do believe they mentioned this throughout the series. They have mentioned it before, yeah. yeah. Uh so the, yeah, they brought the mail truck, it's great. It's like like they had at Berkeley. It's not the same one, but it's the same model they had. And Sandy also gives Kirsten her real present, which is two around the world first class tickets. Yes. Which I guess is a thing you can still buy. Yeah. yeah. Sure. 
Uh, so they came on a trip, just the two of them, because as has come up many times this episode, their kids are all grown up. They're going to be gone <laughs> next season. Home alone. Yeah. Which Gerson says, oh, I can top it. Now, if all of the subtle hints throughout this episode of being like, oh, well, soon the kids will be off and we'll be alone. And Kurt and Kirsten waking up in the morning and be like, oh, I don't know. I just sort of feel sick. And them constantly talking about her, once again, getting older to the point it becomes offensive. Uh, it is revealed that Kirsten is not cancer <laughs> because that's really what they were kind of like. Yeah, they were they were implying it was cancer. Yeah, but it is another sort of growth in her body. <laughs> yes, it's another sort of parasitic growth upon her. <laughs> Kirsten's having a baby. Yes, she's having another baby. It's four episodes till the end of the series, Aaron. Yeah. Series? Are they going to do a full pregnancy in four episodes? Who knows? Sometimes we skip forward five months later. Well, Aaron, you... They said they, there's no way they could end this series with her still being pregnant, no, right? No, like they have to have the they baby. They have to have the baby, which means we have three episodes three weeks apart and then four episodes over, let's just say, five, five or six months. I'm I'm willing to say she's been pregnant for a few months. That's fair because she is 40. Yeah. <laughs> she I, wouldn't suspect that. I'm No, I'm saying it has to be. The other option is we skip forward. <laughs> not, I guess if we skip forward nine months, you go right to everyone going off to university or college, though. No, coming back from college. Christmas break. But they're not at college yet. But it's February. Yes. Maybe you skip forward nine months. Oh, you're right. It'd be better if they skip forward five or six months and they're all going off to college. Mm-hmm. I forgot February is the second month, which mm-hmm. means five months put it in the seventh month. Yeah. Or Thanksgiving, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, she is pregnant. That's the big thing. Sandy is very happy. <laughs> I guess it really early on because that's obviously where they were going. Now, we're going to take an interlude from that. And Caitlin and Bullet have a great relationship. Caitlin is telling him a dumb story about the Ward brothers, yep. and he is very interested in her dumb story. <laughs> Here's the thing about Bullet: I feel like you can tell any story to Bullet, and he would find something enjoyable about it. Mm-hmm. How he <laughs> and Bullet- how much of, with how much of a trash person he is, he does not deserve to be this much of like a beacon of light in the dark. <laughs> And he's not even mad about Kate, mad at Caitlin about the emails. He thinks it's funny. <laughs> he's like, you wrote me an email and, where you said but. Yeah, and he still wants to marry Julie. Because he thinks she's fabulous. Yeah. And he likes hanging out with Caitlin. Yeah, and also, he was gone for a month on a business trip. Not that long. <laughs> Not that not that long when they were at that stage in their relationship. Yeah. Like they were, I, I, it always felt like they were at, they essentially reached a stage where he could just go away for a little bit and just sort of be like, eh, we'll see what happens when. Except for Julie was like, well, you're not in front of me anymore. No, I've forgotten about I've you. Forgotten about you. So Julie oversees this cuteness and is like, oh man, I got to deal with this situation. Yeah. So she she really summers him. <laughs> she goes up to Bullet. Not as bad as Summer does. This no. this seems very very reasonable. She says. No, I cannot accept your proposal, because really, in the grand scheme of things, we've known each other for, like, three months. Yeah, yeah, so let's get to know each other more, and then maybe... I could love you. Yeah, and Bullet's really excited about that. (laughs) He thinks it's great. Yeah. All right, all the Coens and Ryan, who's a Cohen and an Atwood, all the things at the same time, learn about the pregnancy. Everyone's excited, (laughs) and then Seth tells Kirsten about his arrest. Yeah. And everyone's going into the party except that Ryan and Seth have to go and get their girls. <laughs> they, have to, they, they all but say, we got to go wrap up our storylines. 
<laughs> Essentially, Ryan's like, I guess I'm going to hold a boombox over my head. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'll figure something out. Something specific for Taylor. Anyway, we'll figure this out. So Seth arrives home. To, and, or well, arrives to Summer's home. And Summer did steal the groundhog. Yeah. And Che and Groundhog Girl are hanging out. Now they're together. We do learn that Groundhog Girl is into... Che things. Yeah. <laughs> just to say Che things. And... Summer and Seth are just glad that that part of their storyline is over. Yeah, I'm assuming that if Che comes back, it'll be for the finale. But I, I assume he's. I cannot believe this character is still on the show. I can't believe they decided we needed an end to his arc. He needed to find his soulmate. <laughs> if we don't, if we don't help Che find his soulmate, people will be like, "Hey, this feels unfinished." So. He couldn't run off after you figured out he was rich. Yeah, that couldn't have been the end. <laughs> couldn't have been no. the end. No, he had to find his his soulmate in Groundhog Girl. So Seth appreciates summerness, and he <laughs> reveals that his mom is pregnant, and then is like, "I can't tell you about that. I think it's a secret." Yeah, and that's their storyline. Yeah, uh, Ryan. Well, Taylor gets a phone call. It's Ryan doing a stalker phone call. Yeah, he's trying he's to be heavy a, breathing. Trying to be a creep on the phone. And <laughs> he's like, "Did I did I stalk you good? <laughs> did, was that good for you?" you and it? it was. Yeah. So their relationship dynamic will be one of mutually agreed stalking. <laughs> and they joke about how Taylor can stalk Ryan at the party, and then he can stalk her on the way home. It's very cute. They did not actually talk about or resolve any of their issues. No, they didn't because I think they because they kept changing what the issues are. So, so I guess the show's just done with it. Yeah, it feels like it, it feels like they resolved this issue, which they seem to be implying was the issue all along, which even though it, it clearly not. was not the issue. Taylor needs to know how to give herself enough self love so she's not reliant on another person. <laughs> show, we've been watching you. We know what the issues were. You set them out super clearly for for at least taylor and ryan it was super clear what they were but then every episode you like like actually no it's not the thing it's this different like oh it's not that they're too different actually it's that summer needs this specific type of love and ryan might not be able to give it to her no actually taylor needs someone who will accept her stalking her weird her well the way like her, her weird her weirdness which was the initial Premise. issue at the beginning of and the we, season and we get through it we did it already and the thing is it's been very very clear very very clearly laid out since we met taylor last season that she needs to know how to love herself and I like th- this has been her entire character arc so i don't know if we're going to get some weirdo thing in this next episode that's going to like throw that but it really feels like this is like okay now they figured out their problems <laughs> I don't know. So this episode is not quite done. No, we only one final thing. So Julia's at the party, and she watches Bullet and Caitlin be adorable. She looks at all of the people and in then, love. Yeah, she sees all the people in love, and she's like, oh man, love is really good. And maybe maybe Bullet is the love and not my mystery man. So she steps out of the party. She calls her mystery man. And I just want to point out that Julie was planning on ditching her best friend's 40th birthday party to go meet the mystery man. Yeah, apparently. Because she says, oh, I can't come tonight. Julie, you just repaired your friendship with Kirsten. <laughs> yeah, but Julie's a terrible friend. Julie's ter- Julie's terrible. <laughs> Julie is terrible at relationships. She does not know how to interact with other humans. And the show keeps like making it seem like we're supposed to be like, oh, well, that's just the way Julie is. No, Julie needs to learn how to be better. Anyway, so she says, uh, 
she says, "Oh, I can't meet you to her to her mystery guy that's revealed who he is." And it's it's not a surprise. Like who who else could this man be? Who else appeared in this season? It's Frank. It's Frank Atwood. And then they do an additional like, and I think we're supposed to feel sad. Frank was also going to propose to Julie tonight. What is with these <laughs> men? He's dated for her for a month! <laughs> yeah, what is with these men who have known Julie for mm, zero seconds? Marrying her. What? Like, is His, this just what happens when you're 38? Aaron, when Aaron, I turn 38, is everyone going to propose to me? Aaron, his relationship with her began on weird pseudo-sexual blackmail. Yeah. And then and then I guess they ended up falling in love because he helped hide her prostitution ring and then said, actually, you should do this prostitution ring because it helps you in individualism. Despite the fact that it actually ended up ruining her relationship with Kirsten, potentially irreparably. But no, she's been seeing Frank for two so weeks? I don't know. Has Frank just been, like, secretly hanging out in the OC? Is he also stalking Ryan? <laughs> I would love, I would love a layered thing where there's like just he's all... stalking Taylor, stalking Ryan. Well, I was just thinking that when Ryan's stalking Taylor, doing the pretend stalking thing, he's stalking Ryan. <laughs> it's and that final shot of like, oh, and he has a ring. He was going to propose to her, and I'm, I, I'm just like, I don't care. I that that I don't care. I don't care. And of course, I, so I was trying to think of like, okay. At the beginning, as soon as like we have a mystery man, I'm like, okay, it's clearly right. It's clearly Frank. But it's you know clearly who, Frank. You know who it could have been? Spencer. Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy was in this season. Yes, in the coma he was, episode. He was in the season, I guess. I guess it could. I mean, it, of course, it wasn't Jimmy. Of course, but it was Frank. Could have been Jimmy. Yeah, I, I was thinking like, is it Spencer? Ah, uh, Spencer better be done. You, but you see what I mean by it was very clearly one yeah, thing, it and it could be something else. But that would be insane. It was the same thing with like Kirsten saying it was very clearly that she was pregnant because the other option was they're she, giving her cancer giving her four cancer episodes before, episodes before the season ends. And just the amount of time they spent being like, oh, she's turning forty. Oh, she's turning forty. Oh, forty. Oh, she's turning forty. Once the kids are out of the house, oh, you know, we'll, we'll just be, be alone you, in the house. You and me. Uh, but oh, she's turning forty. I'm like. Okay. <laughs> cool. Cool. <sighs> so, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. Throughout this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic decided that they should obviously propose to someone they had been dating for 37.6 seconds? I did. And the CW, CW moment I pick, while being a very pure moment, is not accurate of teenagers. Yeah. Is the moment when the wards convince Caitlin <laughs> to write, but. I miss your butt. In an email. I miss your butt. I do appreciate that. She's like, you guys talk about men's butts a lot. <laughs> They're like, this, we, we were saying that when some, what we want to hear is we want to hear women say that they miss our butts. Like, it's just... And the thing is, they are, like, 15 or 16. Like, there's yeah. no way that's... That's, I, like, a 13-year-old goof. Well, I'm, I'm thinking... I'm thinking that really what it is is that, honestly, they're thinking, what do we want girls to say about us? And, man, we do a lot of squats, and we just want a girl who recognizes... All them squats! All, all of our dude butts! Look at our butts! 
Like, her actually calling, like, here's the thing. Her calling on the War Brothers for the War Brothers, eh. But her calling on some guys to ask is not a bad idea. No. Yeah. And, you know, she chased off Will, so I guess she just has, and we do know she loves the Ward Brothers. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are her people. They are her people, I guess. Kevin, did you find a CW moment? I did. Um, There's a lot of things here, but I gotta give it to a moment that is purely just for drama and has no logical reason is when Dr. James dropped off Ryan's stuff. Why did Summer come with her? Why did doc? Why did not doctor? I mean, she is a doctor. Why did not therapist James have to bring the things li- and bring Taylor Townsend with her? Look, I, I I understand from her point of view why she would bring the things because her entire thing is oh aggressive. You gotta get rid of anything about him. You got complete discon- disconnect from him. But why would she bring her? <laughs> Especially considering how her like she she had to know. I mean. I mean, not... she wasn't trying to block Ryan's view, and she parked directly across from the door. Yeah, but then but then, as soon as he tried to talk to Taylor, he's like, she cannot have any direct contact with you. I'm like, you, you just leave her down the street. Or bring bring a different car. Like, if it's important <laughs> to your aggressive methods that Taylor sees the return of the items, yeah, bring a car with a roof. Do anything but bring her in, like, a convertible where she is obviously seen from the front door. There's no we we all have agreed that not therapist James is pretty bad at being a therapist. It's true. Which you know when Taylor was a fake sex therapist and a fake sleep therapist, yeah. both of those times she was better at being a therapist than not therapist James. Which is fine. Therapist James is a is a researcher. She's she really she's using um she's using Taylor as a real life study of her theories is what it comes down to i hope taylor signed an ethic an ethics disclosure because she's going to turn up in a paper one day i know it doesn't seem very ethical to bring your person who's dealing from emotional addiction that 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 would be like if i I can't i can't apply the name of the addiction thing i guess it would be like if you had to return someone's liquor to the liquor store That's and you they brought just, them? And you brought them with... I guess that's the best... Exa- it's not a very good example. I have a question for you that doesn't have to do with Not Therapist James. Yeah. But do you feel like in the second half of the season, Ryan has taken a backseat in his own TV show? And it's, like, no longer really about him? Um, It's about all the nonsense that happens around him? It, it is becoming that he... I don't know. He, he definitely felt like a very big focal point of this episode. I mean, this episode was very highly Taylor, but it's... But because I felt Taylor's... like this episode had nothing to do with Ryan or Taylor, and it had to do with Kirsten and Bullet. <laughs> well, no, and... I wouldn't say it had to do with Kirsten, because Kirsten was completely... Like, even her birthday party was not a big thing. The big thing was the Groundhog Fair. Kirsten just sort of had three scenes where she interacted with a doctor, and then the scene where she revealed her pregnancy... I guess maybe it's because of that scene where Taylor is stalking Ryan and, like, what he says is, like, not even important. Yeah. Like, it really seemed like Ryan and Sandy were just, like, tools who, like, maneuvered throughout the episode so scenes could happen around them. No, I'll tell you that it it does really seem like this... I mean, it makes sense that they would focus a lot on Taylor. Taylor's the new character. They have a lot more freedom to play with her, and she's not so constrained by... And I guess maybe by the reason I feel this way is because Sandy was teamed up with Ryan this episode, and Sandy, what has Sandy had to do this season? (laughs) He's really had nothing. I mean, now Frank Atwood is back. I'm sure he'll have... Feels. Something. Can you imagine if Frank was just like, I guess I'm never proposing to Julie, and then just like walked off into the night and never returned? (laughs) I still don't quite get Frank. 
I don't know what his and deal his is. Thing. I get he's I get he's Ryan's dad. I don't understand why he introduced himself in the series the way he did. I don't understand why he's reintroduced in the series the way he is. Like, he tried to do a thing with Ryan, and Ryan said no, and that should have been... And then the woman he blackmailed so he could learn about his son, who 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 Stockholm syndromed him real fast. It's true. <laughs> the speed that she went from... Especially considering how... I guess the idea... I guess we're just talking about this now. Yeah. I guess the idea is that she... That he said stuff to her about being like, oh, I you know, lost lost my son and I want to get him back. And she's like, oh, I lost my daughter and I can't get her back. So I guess I have to help you get your son back. But it's not implied that way. It seems more like... She he thought was, he was sexy. It. I think that what they said in the series that I think makes them... That she said that I think you could believe in is that... He was a bad guy, but he's trying to get better, and that's my thing, except for Julie is never getting better. Julie, I think, thinks she's getting better, though. Well, because people... People People keep forgiving her. I have to be getting better. People keep... (laughs) She is... Like, we thought she was a bad mother to Marissa. Yeah. She is a worse mother to Caitlyn. I can't get over that one line. The line which was, that is my private life. (laughs) Like... Look, like, no, I'm not saying that as a parent you can't have private things from your daughter, but it's such a wild thing to hear a to hear her say, "That is my private life." To her, to the child that she is raising as a sole parent, the child who clearly wants a dad and clearly wants to be involved in Julie's life, and Julie be like, "No, you cannot be involved in my life." And you know that when she took that phone call from Frank earlier in the episode, the. Yeah. Zanya yeah. phone call. She didn't come back. No. I don't know where she went. I maybe maybe out to see Frank. Maybe but Caitlin has learned that if her mother gets a phone call, she's not coming back. She's not coming back. She's not coming back. She'll just be she'll just be gone. <laughs> and that's horrifying. Oh my god, she's such. They they really think. I don't know if they think they redeemed her or they think they brought her to a point where she's more of like, like the fun kind of villain. But but she's. She's not. She's not. And she and to the point where like I mean, you don't have to like everybody in the show, but uh, everybody in shows, you can have characters who are like, "Oh, they're terrible." But like But we're not supposed to think she's terrible. The show doesn't want us to yeah, think she's there's, terrible. There's such a disconnect. <laughs> they're like, "Oh, but she has a, like, oh, she's done things wrong, but you know, that's Julie. She has a point. The, her and her and Curse and Reed kindling their relationship makes no sense. She did nothing to, to deserve that. No, she just tricked her more. Yeah, she. I think the idea is that she proved her desperation for needing a friend. And Curse is like, well, she is very desperate, and I guess that isn't a <laughs> an appealing trait an appealing to me. Trait to me, Kirsten, someone who has also been desperate. I don't know that it's. It's not good, but hey, that's uh, that's the, that's the season, or that's not the season. That's the episode. That is our CW moments. That's what I meant to say. And uh, we have four episodes to go. So tell us how you feel about Julie. I'm okay. So I think our final storylines going to be Kirsten's pregnancy, and I think we're all going to do a time skip forward to baby being born. I don't think we're going to have to do the whole like rush to the hospital thing, but I think we're going to skip forward. To a time when baby is born. We have a baby. We have a baby. <laughs> Houston, we have a baby. I don't really know what this baby adds to anyone's character arc at all, but she's coming. I mean, I I 
you'll always be in a cycle. Nothing will ever change. (laughs) Kirsten and Sandy are our grandparents. Because our grandma and grandpa also had a baby when they were 40. Yeah, I, our mom. I, I agree. I don't know what a child brings to the Sandy Kirsten, like, storyline. Because they are already such parents. Yes. Like, parents is their defining feature. So now we're if just making If Julie was parent. having another child, I would be like, yes. Interesting. The, cool, because then the idea has is essentially like, Julie... You have another chance. You have to do better you with this one. You cannot mess this one up. But we already know Sandy and Kirsten are great parents. So them having a baby is just like... Cool, cool. keep it going. Yeah, I guess someone's got to have a baby that's not a teen. <laughs> so, I don't know, dudes. We're going to have Frank. Frank's back. I'm sure there's going to be a big thing with him and Bullet. And Oh, God, is the fi- big final thing going to be a Julie... Storyline, love triangle. It was bullet though. I'm happy. It's bullet. What was a love? Uh, a not a love triangle, but a, like a father triangle between <laughs> Caitlin, Bullet, and Frank. <laughs> and then Bullet's like, you know what, Caitlin, your life sucks. What if I adopt you? Julie is completely irrelevant in the situation. <laughs> it's just who's a better stepfather for Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> Bullet's like, oh, Nate. <laughs> Here's what I and here's what I know and here's here's how I know I can get to you. Here's a boy fight club. <laughs> Back when you were younger, I heard a story <laughs> about you convincing the boys around you to fight. I mean, that's how she met the Ward Brothers for it's sure. True. Yeah. But Bullet will just build her like an official boy fight club gym, <laughs> and she'll start essentially like MMA, yep. but for boys. <laughs> yeah. It's, which I guess is MMA, except for for boys, like for young kids, which. <laughs> I'm sure is illegal. Only if she's not a child while she does it. When she becomes an adult, she has to graduate to adult <laughs> MMA. But if a children is if a child is making other children fight, what are you going to prosecute them for? What they're all do? children. They're all the same age. <laughs> <Get to. laughs> there ain't no law saying the children can't make other children fight. <laughs> the boys like it. The boys doing it willingly. It's just kind of weird. It's kind of like that thing that Ryan did earlier in the season. <laughs> it's not illegal. It's just kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> but people don't know how to feel about it, so they pay, they pay a lot of money to grapple with their emotions. <laughs> All right, well, uh, let's let's get through some of the housekeeping, and then we'll you know we'll sign off and see you next week. Podcast Moa, Podcast Moa on Gmail, on Instagram, on Twitter, because that's how I chose to say that this week. Please give us your rating reviews and subscriptions. We don't know when Riverdale is coming back, so we need you to help us rise up the charts. The number one thing you can do to support small podcasts is give us your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you next week for more OC. Will Frank let Julie go? How will the Coens adapt to a new family member? What beloved animal mascot will Che and the Gopher Girl liberate next? Ask us all some more on the next episode of Mystery Osiris and Abs. A teen drama fan cast? 